You know, I hear this a lot in relationships. I heard it just yesterday, in fact, working with a new couple that's caught in this exact cycle. It's fascinating. Uh, wife was uh, upset and hurt that her partner doesn't feel enough emotions, doesn't share enough of what's going on inside of him, doesn't connect with her enough, give her enough affection, all that. Husband is frustrated because she's way too emotional, too uh, unstable, too erratic, all of that. Same, this is the cycle. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Ever been stuck in a relationship cycle of disagreement, arguing, and then breakdown? Do you dismiss feelings, yours or another's, as invalid when they don't make sense to you? And do you ache for more harmony and ease in intimate relationship? Well, in this episode, I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world, because if not you, then who? I am your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Men This Way. In this episode, I'm going to dive into a popular blog of mine that I wrote uh, within the last few years. It's titled, Stop This Tragic Cycle in Your Relationship. And whether or not you're in a relationship now, I believe this is going to be meaningful to you because I believe that this tragic cycle, it's not really about what is happening with another person, but rather what is happening with you on the inside. It's happening with all of us. And it's just showing up in our dynamics with others, especially in intimate relationship. Now, this cycle that I'm going to talk about happens in all relationships, straight, gay, and otherwise, whatever else is going on out there. It happens there too, because I'm talking about a very primal masculine-feminine dynamic. And masculine does not mean man, and feminine does not mean woman. So... Uh, This is not a man-woman dynamic. As I just stated, this tragic cycle is playing out inside every human being. But now, for the sake of ease and illustration, I am going to talk about it and frame it in the broadest sense that I've seen it in coaching couples for the last six years and also in my own relationship experiences too, which by which I mean I'm going to frame it as a man-woman dynamic. But again, I stress If you're a man and you relate more to what I describe as a woman's experience, just go with it. And same if you're in a same-sex relationship. Don't get tripped up by the details, like whatever genitalia we're talking about here. Just take what resonates for you and discard the rest, which, by the way, is a great relationship practice to not get tripped up by the details. But if you want to truly thrive in this lifetime and experience true freedom along the way, keep listening. And hopefully you'll understand why I say that shortly. 
And I don't mean that I, why I say that shortly as in briefly, although I'm going to try to say it shortly because I actually want to, uh, I want to see if I can get my podcast down to about 30 minutes. So I will say it shortly as I can. And also you'll understand shortly why I said that. <laughs> so definitely stay tuned for my three key takeaways at the end of this episode of Men This Way. Also, if you want to share feedback or what this episode inspires in you, please feel free to message me directly at Brian, Brian with a Y, Brian at BrianReeves.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, let's dive. I've discovered a tragic cycle in intimacy. Woman routinely lets man know he's not enough, doesn't feel enough, not emotional enough, not expressive enough often combined with some message, whether subtle or, or overt, that he's not doing it right. He can't do it right. He'll never do it right. Having no idea how to please her, he gives up, shrinks his hobbled feelings even more until he shuts down altogether. Relationship over. And on the flip side, man often tells woman she's too much, too expressive, too emotional, too unpredictable, too unstable, too whatever. So she learns to shrink herself, hoping that will make him love her until eventually, tragically, she also becomes not enough for him or for herself. Relationship over. Now, if you were to go back and listen to what I just said and just substitute masculine for man and feminine for woman, you would see that, again, it has nothing to do with man and woman. This is a, a, a dynamic, a cycle we're doing to our own selves. Our own masculine is telling our own feminine that she's too much, too unstable, too chaotic, too unpredictable, too whatever. And likewise, our own feminine is often telling our, our inner masculine that he's not enough, can't get it right, isn't connecting enough, isn't expressive enough, and on and on and on. Now, back to the intimate relationship dynamic uh, frame that we're working with here. Here's an idea to end the insanity. Woman, give the man space to feel however he feels or doesn't feel. Don't blame or leave him because you're frustrated he doesn't know how to touch his feelings. He's been taught since he was a boy not to touch those things except with the little pole between his legs. I know it's hard for you when he doesn't feel like you feel, but feeling is your feminine mastery, not his. Of course he's capable. It just ain't his primary nature and he's not as practiced as you. But you can lead the way for him into discovery of his own feelings, not by admonishing him for not being as good at feeling as you are, but by honoring your own feelings fully, offering them to the relationship honestly, while also reassuring him repeatedly that he's fully free to feel whatever he feels too, or doesn't feel. Man, stop telling her she's too much for you or for the world. Yeah, I know, she often is too much for your more still nature. And she knows she often is too. But do your damn best to love her as she colors your relationship with all the expressive flavors of her wild heart. That's what attracted you to her in the first place. Don't tell her how to squash it now that she's in your presence all the time. Don't make her more masculine like you. 
She's not your roommate or your buddy. She's your woman. Let her decorate your life with whatever sparkly, capricious, confounding ways delight her, even when it frustrates the hell out of you. Because if you're loving her right, she will frustrate your more logical mind right into heaven. And in the end, I believe the best any of us can ever hope for is a partner who's simply willing to keep showing up, who's willing to learn how to do this wild dance of opposites with at least a little more grace and tenderness and flow and laughter and love than we experienced yesterday. Doesn't that sound amazing? All right, let's dive into my three key takeaways about this. Number one, and I've already spoken to this, this is not about what's happening outside of you. This is not not about what your partner is doing, not overtly, which again, as a reminder, this is not about men and women. You see, we are always attracted to whomever we feel will bring a complementary experience into our lives. You've heard it, opposites attract. Well, we do this. An intimate relationship is a dance of opposites, whether same sex or, or opposite sex. It doesn't matter. This is about energetic, complementary opposites being drawn to each other as if we're seeking to experience our own wholeness. And we need other people to experience parts of ourselves that we were disconnected from or that maybe are, don't come natural to us. It's why... Um, uh, we, we, again, we attract opposites. We attract partners who seem designed to frustrate the hell out of us because they're so different, right? Whereas in friendships, we tend to choose people who are very same, but in intimacy, we tend to choose uh, deeply opposites and complementary. But then as we've been disconnected from those aspects inside of ourselves, for example, you know, my relationship, I am way more logic oriented. I don't feel nearly as much as Sylvie feels. She feels everything. And um, we are so drawn to each other because I bring a gift of, of grounded perspective into her life. And she brings the gift of of kind of wild expressiveness. I mean, that's putting it very simply, and it's not that simple. Of course not. Sylvie has beautiful perspective and capacity for logic. And I also am very passionate and I feel a lot, but not nearly as much as that woman feels. And same, she also, um, you know, my brain uh, uh, is so much more logically oriented and, and can just slice up the world and, you know, make all these maps and design all of these ideas and perspectives and philosophies that she's fascinated by. Um, but yet, as we've rejected those parts inside of ourselves, as much as we want to experience it, which is why we bring in this other person, we likewise then reject it in the other who's bringing it. Right? So that's why it shows up in our, uh, uh, particularly our intimate relationships. It's a, it's a timeless internal struggle that now, it, it never before in history had permission to show up externally, externally in our intimate relationships. We've lived in such a predominantly masculine-oriented world uh, that talking about feelings and making space for feelings has really not been welcome at all, 
right? So now here we are in intimacy for the first time in the, in, in the history of humanity. We're talking about, and I'm going to get into why it's actually my, my second key is going to be more of a, a, a brief exploration into what this is really about, why this is happening. But we have never before been asked or been expected to connect emotionally in relationships throughout history. It's always been about, uh, you know, about logic, about using our minds to figure out, to, to uh, make meaning, and, and really it comes down to survival. It really, throughout history, we've been way more about survival, but I don't want to get ahead of myself just yet. Let's just take a step back um, because this, this struggle is about feelings versus logic. And feelings connect us to the visceral aspect of our lives. If we don't feel our lives, if you can't feel pain and sadness and frustration, uh, you're not going to be able to feel joy and enthusiasm and excitement. You know, I grew up with with a, a sister. My sister, uh, Casey, I have three sisters, but my sister Casey especially, she was my, she, we're closest in age, and she, I would marvel at how she could get excited by a pair of yellow socks in a grocery store. I mean, she would just flip the fuck out when there was a pair <laughs> of socks that she loved in the grocery store. She'd be so excited to find these socks. And I used to think, God, how do you get so happy about socks? And I envied her ability, although I probably really dismissed it, thought it was silly, but as, an, as in looking back now, I, I, I realize I envied it. And at the same time, though, Casey could also, she had a great and, and has a great capacity to hurt and to feel sadness. Um, so it's interesting, though, she's so deeply connected to the visceral aspect of life, whereas logic just tries to make meaning of everything, right? And this comes down to the primal masculine feminine value clash, if you will, feminine connection versus masculine freedom. You know, think of, uh, of, of uh, that saying, the truth will set you free. Well, logic is all about discovering truth, right? That's what logic is for. It's to discover the truth of a situation. Why? Because in discovering the truth, we will feel free. We feel free of whatever sort of mental confusion, uh, constraint existed before we had the logical breakthrough. We feel free of it now, yet we need both. We need to feel free and we need to feel connected to life, to each other, to our own bodies uh, in order to truly thrive. We need both, which brings me to key number two. That was key number one, takeaway number one, which is this not about what's happening outside of you, in your partner. It's, it has permission to show up outside of you, but it's not what's happening outside of you. Here's key takeaway number two. We're talking about the difference between surviving versus thriving. Thriving is a full being experience. Have you ever experienced attaining what you wanted, achieving something that you thought you wanted, whether maybe it was a job, some job success or career success, maybe you made a lot of money, maybe you finally got the intimate partner that you thought you'd been waiting for, or um, you know, achieved something that you had really longed for, and then within a very short period of time, you actually couldn't really feel joy or appreciation in the having of it. Well, 
This is your lack of ability to thrive, I would argue. Your lack of ability to thrive. Throughout history, our brain, our evolutionary brain has been programmed to survive, to look and discover, find out, okay, what's wrong with the environment? Where are the threats? What do I need to fix? What do I need to do in order to just make sure that I survive into the, you know, for the next five minutes, solve the next problem? We're not programmed for thriving. We're programmed for surviving. And our look at our forefathers and our, our everyone, the generations that came before us throughout history have largely been preoccupied with survival, just surviving. And in surviving, there's no space for our feelings. What difference does feelings make if the threat of our death is present, whether, whether legit or not? I mean, that's what the brain is programmed for, to make sure we don't die in the next 10 minutes. And so there's no room for feelings in that. In fact, feelings can be very threatening to our, when survival is at stake, right? Because if we're, if we're shivering and we need to get, you know, to find shelter and we need to make sure that, that, that the cave is warm or the home is warm or that the, that the, the harvest is, is collected before the winters come, whatever, we don't have time to be concerned with whether or not our intimate partner feels connected to us. We don't have time to make sure that our children, their feelings are cared for. No, we got to get out there and we have to make sure that whatever resources we need to gather, whatever needs to be done for survival is done. That's it. And when you're round the clock, as our ancestors have been, round the clock just concerned with surviving through the seasons, through the, through the days and the seasons, ain't no time for feelings. Ain't nobody got time for feelings, right? And we are on the leading edge of a whole new way of being on this planet because we're not worried about survival anymore. Not if you're listening to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, you're doing fine. You are in the exploration of how do I thrive in this lifetime? And that question's never really been asked before. I mean, it has, but I mean, in mass, the way that we're doing it now, you know, it's interesting, even the, the founding philosophy of the United States of America, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of happiness. Notice it's the pursuit of happiness that we're guaranteed, not happiness. We're not guaranteed happiness. We're only guaranteed the pursuit of it, <laughs> which is kind of crazy, but it makes sense when you're shifting out of survival mode and now you're focused, okay, I actually can start learning how to really enjoy my life, but I don't know how yet. I, I'm going to pursue it and I need to be free to pursue it. Well, if you're pursuing happiness, that's very different from actually having it, right? Pursuing thriving is very different from actually thriving. So we are now in the, in the sort of the third act of this show where we're now ready to have it, to experience, to actually experience it, which is the, as I said earlier in this second key, it's a full being experience. It involves our, you know, the pursuits of our mind and logic and ideas and perspectives and, and getting more and more kind of being more and more the masculine witness of, of all that is happening in, in our lives, in the world. You know, I always, when I'm working with couples, I always tell 
I always tell usually men I say this to that are men or that are trying to get their, you know, to, to rope their partner into their masculine way of being with ideas and philosophy and logic. And I often tell men, look, if you and I were, we, you and I sit around a fire, have a couple beers and talk philosophy, solve the problems of the world, we could do that for hours and it would be utter bliss. But that is not what your intimate relationship calls for. That is not what your more feminine partner, whether man or woman, that is not what she is deeply interested in. She wants to connect. She wants to have the full being, the visceral experience of connection. So this is about thriving. This cycle that I'm talking about, this tragic cycle, this feelings versus logic in a sword, this, this cycle of too much versus not enough, this is about learning how to thrive. Key takeaway number three, perhaps the most important relationship practice of all is allowing your partner to be whoever they're choosing to be. Abraham Hicks, one of my teachers that I study, uh, I listen to her videos pretty much every day. She's part of my morning practice. She said, I heard her say this years ago, the best gift you can ever give another person is your own happiness. Boom, wow. The best gift you can ever give another person is your own happiness. Doesn't that just kind of make sense and, and ring true on a very, very deep level? The best gift you can ever give another person is your own happiness. All right, this key takeaway, number three, is perhaps the most important relationship practice of all, allowing your partner to be whoever they're choosing to be, which doesn't mean you have to stick around if they're choosing to be someone that doesn't feel deeply good to be around, but you're not their coach, you're not their therapist, you're not their boss or their parent or their warden. Now, you might be one of those things, you know, do some role-playing. I'm a big fan of role-playing. Do that, but, you know, just for a couple hours in an evening. Don't make that your role in their life. And that's what this tragic cycle is all about, is about trying to coach our partner or be their therapist or their boss or their parent, insisting that I know how you need to be and it's X, Y, Z, whatever. Your partner's an adult, they get to choose for themselves how they want to be. I mean, isn't that what you want for yourself? To be allowed to be who you choose to be? You know, I hear this a lot in relationships. I heard it just yesterday, in fact, working with a new couple that's caught in this exact cycle. It's fascinating, caught in this exact cycle. Uh, wife was uh, upset and hurt that her partner doesn't feel enough emotions, doesn't share enough of what's going on inside of him, doesn't um, connect with her enough, give her enough affection, all that. Husband is frustrated because she's way too emotional, too uh, unstable, too erratic, all of that. Same, this is the cycle. What you both want for yourself, what you both want in a relationship is you want to be accepted and loved for who you are. Uh, the man said at one point, that's just who I am. Like, I just don't have a lot of feelings. It's just who I am, and you need to accept me as I am. Now, he's right, but he's also wrong. Uh, I do agree. She does need to accept him for who he's choosing to be. But notice I use the word choice, choosing. He's choosing because he can learn new skills. He can learn, and I would argue he must learn. If that relationship is going to thrive, he's gonna have to learn how to connect with her. And that's actually the work that we're doing, is helping them, helping her learn to uh, be less critical of 
how he's showing up and what he's doing and the choices he's making and how he can learn to be more uh, connecting in how he responds to her upset and her emotional experiences. This is actually a tool uh, that I teach a lot called uh, feedback, not criticism. Feedback, not criticism. Um, I don't want to go into that here. That's for another time. The point is that this third key takeaway, allowing your partner to be whoever they are choosing to be, wow, what freedom there is in that. And I would eventually say even not just allowing, but even embracing your partner in whomever they're choosing to be. You know, I have a a program called my boundaries uh, program, boundaries, relationships suck without them. And in that program, I talk about the difference between requests and requirements, requests and requirements. And where most people go off the rails, where most relationships go off the rails is they try to, they, they masquerade their requirements as requests and their requests, they masquerade as requirements. So nobody really knows what the boundaries are and what's and what what is really expected or I'm leaving or this isn't going to work for me versus I just want this and if you don't give it to me I'm just going to be upset all the time and make life hell but I'm not going anywhere. Uh, that's in the boundaries program and that's a really really important distinction um, because in the end if you can't embrace your partner in whomever they're choosing to be you're just going to create suffering first for yourself and definitely for your partner. So uh, that's the third key takeaway. Let me just quick uh, summarize the three key takeaways again. Number one, this is not about what's happening outside of you. This is an inside job that is reflecting, an inside cycle that is reflecting in your external relationship. And number two, Key takeaway number two, this is about surviving versus thriving. And if you want to thrive, thriving is a full being experience. And number three, perhaps the most important relationship practice of all is learning to allow your partner, even embrace your partner in whomever they are choosing to be. You know, years ago, long before I ever became a coach, I mean 20 years ago, I mean, I was in my 20s and I I had an epiphany. As I looked around and I just, you know, saw as I was studying human behavior in my 20s and just noticing, wow, we're really dysfunctional, myself included. But I also noticed how in our dysfunctions, you know, our human dysfunctions, wow, we're learning a lot. And I had an epiphany. And the epiphany was this, that we are all growing more functional thanks to each other's dysfunctions. Because it occurred to me that if, my, if I'm with someone who's just acting perfect all the time, I'm not going to learn anything. And I've always valued learning. I've always valued growing. And um, if I'm not growing, life doesn't even seem interesting to me. If I'm not growing and expanding in my consciousness and my capacity to feel, well, what the hell am I doing here? That was my epiphany. We're all growing more functional thanks to each other's dysfunctions. And this tragic cycle and in intimacy that I shared with you here, as we learn to be more embracing of what our partners are offering and experiencing, um, we can change the world. I am vigilant in my relationship with Sylvie, 
not to, because as I said earlier, she feels way more than I feel. She's totally the goofball in our relationship. And even her ecstasy, her ecstatic joy, like her hyper emotions sometimes, it can be way too much for my nervous system to take in. It can feel like jarring, like I almost have to sort of protect myself from all of this energy in the room. And yet I am so, so vigilant not to ever communicate to her, certainly not with my words or my facial expressions. Um, and I try not with my body language also, although again, you know, I, it, it's a lot for me. So I, I am, I do, I am kind of bracing sometimes when she's, when she's in one of her sort of, you know, hyper modes. Um, but I am vigilant about letting her know that her emotions are welcome. Her feelings are welcome. Her experience um, in her body and what she's offering in the room is so welcome always. Even if I can't really handle it, I want her to know that I value her having it and her being able to express it. It matters to me and it matters to our relationship. <sighs> so that's it. I hope this is helpful. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the original blog that I shared here, Stop This Tragic Cycle in Your Relationship, uh, as well as any resources I mentioned and my three key takeaways in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash podcast. It's brian with a Y, reeves.com slash podcast. And if you're like me and you're into studying relationships and human behavior, you know, whether because you don't want to suck at relationships anymore or, or maybe you want to become a teacher yourself eventually, well, go to brianreeves.com. It's brian with a Y, reeves.com where you can find my various courses, including the Conflict to Connection 90-Day Program for people who are aching for more harmony and connection in their relationships. You can also find my Love, Sex, Relationship Magic course, which is a great kind of introductory course, especially great for singles, but I have couples that do that too. But anyone who wants an easy and deep dive into the core fundamentals of what it takes to create a truly fulfilling relationship including how to know whether or not you're even compatible with someone. If you're dating or you're in a relationship and you're not sure you should be in it, go check out Love, Sex, Relationship Magic on my website because that there's just one module that will be so revealing for you around whether you should even be in this relationship. Also, my course, as I mentioned earlier, boundaries. Relationships suck without them because the truth is relationships really do suck without boundaries. All three of these courses offer you insights and practices that have been life-changing for me and also for my clients. And you can find them all on my website at brianreeves.com. And as a Men This Way listener, you get 10% off of every course. Just enter this coupon code on the checkout page, MENTHISWAY10. The coupon code for 10% off is MENTHISWAY10. Enter that on any checkout page of any course and get 10% off immediately. If you were served by this and think others should hear it too, please share this episode or just write a review so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I read all the reviews. I have a service that sends them to me as soon as they go up. So I so, so appreciate them. And I know that they matter. They do make a difference as to whether or not others will listen. So thank you. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.